Good morning, people of God. Good morning, friends in Christ. Welcome to worship. Welcome to the first Sunday of the month where we gather to break the bread of life and taste the cup of salvation. We're going to be having our children come back in between the bread and the cup for a special blessing. So that will happen as we've been doing that the last couple of times together. Visitors, we welcome you. We are glad that you are here. Please take a moment to sign the friendship books. We might have record of your worship. We might greet you by name in a few moments. Following worship is a very brief congregational meeting. We are electing a nominating committee. We are adding one more person to our session to serve as elder to student ministries. Hooray, hooray. And we're making a, a very small change in our bylaws. I guarantee that congregational meeting will go four minutes. Four minutes. Then you're all invited to a potluck lunch following today's service. If you didn't bring something, no problem, because we always have big salads. Salad. So it's all here. So please, please join us. Uh, Janie Harris's memorial service is this afternoon at 3 o'clock, so those of you coming back to worship and celebrate her life, please note that as well. Uh, our parking, did you notice our parking out there? Did you get in? Did you have to pay $5? We have raised over $6,500 in the last few days in parking, so thank you for our parking attendance. It's just an amazing, amazing thing. Sam, Corey, your team, wonderful. We welcome Linda Messenger today as our pianist and special guest. We welcome. Um, John M. has just ridden in literally on his motorcycle, and I understand today is a big day for you, John. You came home. Something else go... Is it a B day? It's a great day. It's, it's, a, it's a birthday for John. It's a big birthday for John, so congratulations. He's 40 years old. <laughs> Judy, Judy and John have just come back from visiting their grandchildren, Wyatt and Reagan, in Colorado. So prayers for that family. Welcome home, John and Judy. Next Sunday, June 9th, is Pentecost Sunday. Our choir and expanded, not waste-wise, but numerically, uh, musicians will be here. You want to say a word about that? Yes. Yep. Uh, come in here, bring your friends. We're going to have the Glorious Messiah Part 3, about 35 to uh, 37 minutes presentation with soloists, with orchestra, and symphony, and a great choir. So please come and listen to the great message. He talks about us, about the church, and about eternity. So I invite you to come next Sunday for service. It's included in the Pentecost service. Wonderful. That will be, that will be next Sunday. And, and it's Pentecost, so we wear... Red. red, red, wear red next week. Please stand and say hello to your neighbor in Christ. Good morning. 
Will the choir start making your way back for the, for the morning? Please stand for our call to worship this morning. The Lord is sovereign. Let the earth rejoice. Let the multitude of the isles be glad. A fire goes before you and burns up your enemies on every side. The mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The heavens declare your righteousness, O Lord, and all the people see your glory. Please pray with me. O God, you clothe the sky with light and ocean depths with darkness. You work your mighty wonders among us. Claim us for your purposes that we may be among those who see your glory and give you praise. For you live and reign now and forever. Amen. Amen. And let us continue worshiping with our hymn of praise. have all the children and the students and the young at heart come forward top step so we can see you 
top step. Nice to see all of you. Everly, can you tell everyone where you are? Thank you. Thank you. So we have a table here with bread and juice, and we remember the life and death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to ask you boys and girls to come in between the bread and the cup and hold your hands like this. Can you hold your hands like this? And Pastor Sharon and I will give you a blessing. We will say, God loves you. God loves you. And students, you're going to stay for communion, right? Okay. So Jesus said one day to his disciples and to us, we're disciples as well, aren't we? We're learners, we're learners, that you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. What's this? Garlic Garlic salt. Who wants some garlic salt? Put your hand out there. Put your hand out there. Put your tongue in, tongue in your hand. You want some garlic salt? Really? Try it. Go ahead. Did you get any? Are you sure? What's it taste like? No. <laughs> What's it taste like? Garlic. Tastes like salt. What does salt do? Dries out your mouth. Besides drying out your mouth? It's a seasoning. It's a flavor. Is that a new do you've got? The <laughs> it's a... It's Dudamil. It's Gustav Dudamil. Um, Samson. Okay. All right. So salt flavors. You are the flavor of the world. And what else does salt do? It preserves, yes. So you help keep the world together. So salt is a seasoning. You season the world. You preserve the world. You keep the world in good order. Uh, Jesus also said you are the light of the world. Who's got a light here? Oh, you? Okay, all right. Can you shine the light out, please? I sure can. Okay. You are the light of the world. What does light do? What if we had no light in this room? Can you take down the house lights, Philip? Oh, look at that. Shine your light out, please. There's the light of the world. Now, you wouldn't want to put a light under a bushel. Does anyone have a bushel? What happens when a light goes under a bushel? It gets dark. But if you hold your light out for all the world to see, then you are the light of the world. Okay. Now, there are some people in our community that are sad today because they don't have a home. 
and Elder Carlina is going to come forward right now, and we're going to look at the screen after Elder Carlina talks to us about the homeless people who live right here in Costa Mesa. Do you have a home? Do you have a home? Not everybody does, so let's listen to Elder Carlina. Good morning. Um, this morning we'll be showing the video that we, um, we were going to show last Sunday. It is um, about homelessness, specifically in Costa Mesa, and what the city of Costa Mesa is doing to combat the problem. Um, thank you to Jane Carlisle for sharing the video with me, and thank you, Pastor Charles, for the opportunity to, to show it this morning. Um, PCC is very much involved with um, trying to help the homeless. Uh, we are involved with a group called Trellis. It's a nonprofit that we not only support um, financially, but we've also hired Trellis workers, homeless workers, to come on our campus here, and um, they do work, and they are paid in gift cards. So, um, like I said, and, and it's it's all around us this this issue. So. Um, this is a really important video, and there's a lot of information in it, so what I'd like to do also is ask if Elsie can maybe do an e-blast and forward the video to everyone so you can watch it at your leisure and, and really go through it and digest the information. So thank you. As the nation grapples with the epidemic of homelessness, so too does the state of California, the county of Orange, and the city of Costa Mesa. Local municipalities, including Costa Mesa, are not immune from this growing community issue. Since 2011, Costa Mesa has worked hard to find ways in which to assist those individuals in the community who are experiencing homelessness. In 2013, the city officially launched the Network for Homeless Solutions, a group of stakeholders comprised of city community outreach workers, code and law enforcement officers, nonprofit partners, and faith-based organizations and volunteers. From its inception, the Network for Homeless Solutions has had great success in not only finding housing for homeless individuals, but also in reconnecting people with families and loved ones and assisting those in need of substance abuse treatment, job training, and job placement. The city also provided more than a million dollars annually to work towards combating the impacts to the greater community. Despite all of these great efforts and resources, in January of 2018, a lawsuit was filed by the Orange County Catholic Worker naming Costa Mesa as a defendant along with the cities of Santa Ana, Anaheim, and Orange, as well as the County of Orange, which challenged the lack of emergency shelters in those municipalities. As a result of the lawsuit, Costa Mesa was forced to suspend enforcement of the city's anti-encampment ordinance, which has impacted neighborhoods, streets, and park spaces. City officials worked diligently to settle the lawsuit and satisfy requests by the plaintiffs and federal district judge, David Carter, to provide 62 shelter beds in Costa Mesa. This number of beds is based on 60% of the latest homeless point-in-time count numbers that documented the number of homeless individuals residing in the city. To work towards providing the 62 total beds, Costa Mesa has secured 12 of its total required beds by approving an application for College Hospital to operate a 12-bed crisis unit. To satisfy the remaining beds needed, the city has conducted extensive research and analyzed nearly 50 properties throughout Costa Mesa. To be able to offer shelter beds in the most expeditious time frame possible, Costa Mesa entered into a lease agreement with the Lighthouse Church of the Nazarene to utilize a portion of their property to operate a temporary 50-bed bridge shelter. This temporary bridge shelter will expand on what is an already existing inclement weather shelter but will require it to be a reservation-based, high-security facility 
that will be professionally and securely operated. Additionally, the Costa Mesa City Council agreed to allocate nearly $7 million for the purchase of a piece of property located at 3175 Airway Avenue that is being evaluated as a permanent bridge shelter location for individuals experiencing homelessness in Costa Mesa. The temporary Lighthouse Church Bridge Shelter, which is expected to begin operation in early April, is projected to be in operation for up to one year until the permanent location can become fully established. Both the temporary and permanent shelter facilities will be run by a combination of city community outreach worker staff and staff from Mercy House, a professional shelter operator. Mercy House is an experienced and well-respected shelter operator that will ensure that the bridge shelter facility follows a housing first model which is supported by a transportation and reservation-based entry and exit system, along with 24-hour on-site security, as well as regular roving patrol in the local neighborhoods that will cover a half-mile radius of the shelter facility. City community outreach worker staff will provide on-site case management for the shelter clients and work daily to connect them to available housing options and social services. The temporary bridge shelter at the Lighthouse Church will also provide important facility and security upgrades, which include perimeter fencing and increased lighting in the area. Community improvements are also coming to the neighborhood located adjacent to the temporary bridge shelter. City staff are already pressure washing and sanitizing streets, sidewalks, and appropriate park spaces every other week and are planning to bring forth improvements such as repainting curbs, crosswalks, and updating landscaping. In areas where additional cleanup is needed for trash and debris, there will be a team in place for that as well. Ultimately, the city's commitment is to create a shelter that has little to no adverse effect on the community and will help to restore the character and safety of Westside neighborhoods that have been hardest hit by the homelessness crisis, while providing shelter to some of the most vulnerable members of the Costa Mesa community. To learn more about the city's efforts to address homelessness or to donate, please visit the city's webpage or follow the city and or the Network for Homeless Solutions on social media. So we are going to offer a prayer now for people who are without homes. Remember, our Lord Jesus, as a little infant, was without a home. He was homeless, remember? Remember? The family went to Egypt. And then they came back to their home in Nazareth. So even our Lord, at one time in his life, was without a home. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for good people that do good work in our community. We thank you for people who work and pray and love and bless and house people who need homes. That's so important. And it gives dignity, it gives pride, it gives joy, it gives a sense of hope to people. So we pray that we might do our part as a church in our community of Costa Mesa. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We'll see you back for the communion blessing. Blessings as you go.
choir, that was beautiful. The proof of God's amazing love is this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Because we have faith in him, we dare to approach the throne of God with confidence. In faith and in penitence, let us confess our sins before God and one another together. Merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart and mind and strength. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. In your mercy, forgive what we have been. Help us amend what we are and direct what we shall be so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. I declare to you in the name of Christ Jesus, you are forgiven. May the mercy, may the God of mercy who forgives all your sins strengthen you in all goodness and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you, keep me in eternal light, in eternal life. Amen.
Thank you, Praise Band, for leading us in worship week by week. Our scripture on this seventh Sunday of Easter is taken from Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 16. Let us listen for God's word to us. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth, may the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing to you through Christ, our strength and our Redeemer. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. 
Before we get to our text in Matthew 5 and our topic of salt and light and such, I'm going to the joke jar here. The story of the Lutheran Congregational and Presbyterian pastors who decide to knock on doors on a Saturday, inviting people to their churches. And at the end of the day, they got together and the Lutheran pastor said, we have to do this again. I got four new members. And the congregational minister said, we have to do this again. I got six new members. And the Presbyterian pastor said, we have to do this again. I got rid of the 10 worst members of my church. (laughs) See, I start to publicly insult people toward the end of my time. So we come today back to our gospel reading to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And if you have been in this part of the world before, you know that west of the Sea of Galilee, there is a lovely church there, the Church of the Beatitudes meticulously cared for by Franciscan monks. It sits atop of a hill of range of hills sloping down to the water. The Sermon on the Mount is the first of five sermons collected by the writer of Matthew. It could have been delivered in one sitting or more likely compiled over a period of our Lord's early ministry. So with Jesus seeing the vast crowd coming to hear his preaching and teaching, he climbs up a mountain near Galilee, sits down as a good rabbi of his day would. His disciples gather around Jesus, and Jesus, the consummate teacher, begins to speak eight or nine blessed sayings. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful, or happy, as one version translates. Happy are the peacemakers. I like blessed better. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. We said eight or nine blessed sayings, depending on whether the last two blessings are really one blessing. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. To these blessed ones, Jesus promises the kingdom of heaven. Jesus promises comfort, earth as an inheritance, filled satisfaction, mercy, the sight of God, Adoption by God as God's children, so begins the Sermon on the Mount. Today I wish to talk with you and me about two realities. Jesus said to his disciples living and serving in the first century Galilee and to his disciples living and serving in 21st century Orange County, that we, the church, are two realities. After he had finished his blessed sayings, being a blessing to those who receive with earnest hearts, he turns to his disciples and says, you are the 
salt of the earth. Or as the New English Bible has it, you are salt to the world. Our Lord's audience would have been familiar with salt. Magdala by the sea, just down the slope, was a commercial fishing port which caught, salted, and shipped dried fish throughout the ancient world. Mary Magdalene was from the city of Magdala. What does salt do? Two things. Salt, first of all, is a seasoning. Salt seasons our food. Salt brings out, oops, good flavor. Salt can distinguish and accent and articulate the flavor of food. Moreover, it doesn't take a lot of salt to flavor food, does it? Sometimes just a pinch of salt, garlic salt on my popcorn every night. And since I live alone, I can do that. <laughs> now, what must have been amazing, almost unbelievable, to those first disciples' ears, you are the salt of the earth, you as disciples of mine can influence the world for good. Remember, our Lord had just finished describing these disciples as what? Poor, meek, mourners, mercy-loving ones, peacemakers. Yet the disciples' world was a world ruled by war and evil. What good influence could this small minority, this tiny company of those righteous-seeking folk whose only weapon is purity of heart, what St. Francis called the little friars, the little brothers? How could they be salt, seasoning to the whole world? Jesus didn't share this skepticism and questioning. Jesus positively preaches to his disciples, you are the seasoning of the world. You can change the world for good, which gives us true hope that our small goodness can do great good. In the next breath, Jesus said, yet if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? Now, strictly speaking, salt can never lose its saltiness. I'm no chemist, but I'm given to understand that sodium chloride is a very stable compound. Sodium chloride is resistant to nearly every attack, yet it can be contaminated by impurities. Salt can be diluted by other powers to lose saltiness is to do what the ancient church at Ephesus had done. The Ephesians, when John the seer was writing to them in Revelation 2, they had abandoned their first love. Remember when you were passionate about your walk of faith? Do I remember that? I commend us to recover that first love, that first passion, that first yearning and prayer and by God's grace, our saltiness will return. It's also been noted what salt does, this mixture of white powder. I read this week it's found around the Dead Sea. So the disciples no doubt saw it. There were no refineries around. The sodium chloride portion of the white powder was the most soluble component so it was most easily washed out. So this washed out white powder looked like salt, was called salt, but there was no seasoning in it. It became road dust down by the Dead Sea. You are the salt of the earth. Don't become unsalty salt, said Jesus. Otherwise, you'll be thrown out, trampled underfoot, 
that kind of salt is good for nothing. Salt was, is a seasoning. Secondly, we said salt is a what? A preservative. Jesus, as a boy, must have watched his mother use salt on meat or fish, probably fish, up in the Galilee. It was centuries before any refrigeration. Galilee was not a part of the world which had ice, so salt preserved their food, preserved food that would otherwise decay. That means the world left by itself will decay like rotten fish. Now, God has set restraining influences in the world like good government and good laws, and these exert wholesome influence in the world. Yet here in this salt sermon, Jesus is saying the most powerful restraint against injustice in society is to come from the redeemed of God, from the regenerate of Christ, from the righteousness of the Spirit of God's people, from you and me. As followers of Christ, we are the world's seasoning and we are the world's preservative. How are you going to live as salt in your office or home in the world this week? You are salt. Jesus said a second reality is that you are the light of the world. One of the lights of the last century's New Testament scholarship was a man named Joachim Jeremias. Love that name. Joachim Jeremias. Before he became a brilliant writer and professor, he lived in Jerusalem. He grew up there. And he would travel up to the Galilee as a boy. And from Tiberias, on the west shore of the Sea of Galilee, Jeremias would see the lights of the cities 12 miles to the other side of the lake. And Jeremias wrote a commentary on Matthew that Jesus too, as a boy, looked across the lake as it was growing dark, and he could see the lights of the ten cities, the Decapolis, the Greek cities there, lighting up the dark sky. So be lights of the world, said Jesus. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket, but puts it on a lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. You are the light of the world. So Jesus said, let your light shine before others. We are not to be like a town or village nestled by a valley surrounded by trees that no one can see us. Rather, we are a city set upon a hill. And those ten shining cities across that lake that we're looking at as evening falls 12 miles away be that kind of lamp, that kind of light shining in all the house. Before we get nervous about being the light, Jesus said later, I am the light of the world. And that takes the pressure off of us. It's not our light. We're not the source of the light. Rather, it's Christ's light shining through us. I love to look at the moon at night. Do you like to go out and look at the moon? Especially when it's nearly full. And sometimes I fool myself and I say, look at the moonlight. Yet we all know the moon has no light itself. The moon is a very dark place. Our sun gives the moon its light. So we as Christians reflect the light of Christ. When others see that light, said Jesus, they will give glory not to you, but to your Father in heaven. Salt and light, that's our ministry at Presbyterian Church of the Covenant. 
to be salt, give the world its seasoning, stop its decay, to be light, give the world an alternative to darkness by spreading truth and beauty and goodness. Salt is found in Christ-like justice in keeping the world's decay at bay. Light is found in sharing that good news that God reconciles the world. Said Isaiah, it's sharing your bread with the hungry, bringing the homeless into your homes, covering those who have nothing to wear, and hearing Christ say, here I am. What about the such? Salt and light and such. What's your such? Personally, my such will be to get on a plane tomorrow and fly to Boston and visit a 95-year-old woman who has been enormously influential in my life. And I'm going to thank Jean for sharing the love of Christ gently, quietly, by her words and helpful suggestions that she's given me over the years. I'll be back on Pentecost. What will your such be this week? Will it be a thoughtful note, a listening ear, a phone call, an email, a text to an old friend, mending a fence, a relationship? What's your such of the kingdom of God? For it was Jesus who once said to us, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will have the light of life. May we have that life and light as we come to this table of grace this morning. For the grass withers, the flower fades, but the promises of our God abide forever. Amen. us that we are loved by God in Christ. We respond to that gospel by bringing to God this morning our tithes and offerings. I'll ask our ushers to please wait upon us.
please be seated. And Sean and Philip, could we go back to the last slide of my sermon? Sharon selected such a lovely slide on communion. Oh, there's the bushel. Yeah, there was still one more. And one more past that? There. Ooh, <laughs> very nice. Just, let's leave that one up there. That's good. That's good. Beloved in Christ, the gospel tells us that on the first day of the week, Jesus Christ was raised from death, appeared to Mary Magdalene, on that same day sat at table with two disciples and was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. This then is the joyful feast of the people of God. Men and women, youth and children come from east and west and north and south to gather about Christ's table. This table is for all believers, all who wish to know the presence of Christ in their hearts and to share in the community of God's people. Will you pray with me? You are holy, O God of majesty, and blessed is Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Born of Mary, he came to dwell among us, full of grace and truth. To all who believed, he gave power to become your children. In ministry among your own, Jesus cared for all, forgiving their failures, healing their hurts, nurturing their faith, giving himself in utter sacrifice for those he loved. He inspired ordinary folk to spirit-filled living and displayed in his life, death, and rising again the power of your spirit. Gracious God, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and upon these gifts of bread and wine that the bread we break and the cup we bless may be the communion of the body and blood of Christ. Nurture us at this table, O Lord, that we may grow to the stature of Jesus Christ. Help us to love you above all else and to love our neighbors as we love ourselves, demonstrating that love in deed and word toward all your children. Keep us faithful in your service until Christ comes in final victory, and we shall feast with all your saints in the joy of your eternal realm. Through Christ, with Christ, in Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor are yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. We remind you that when the bread comes to you, you partake of the bread, symbolizing your personal commitment to Christ. And when the cup comes to you, we hold the cup and we'll share that cup together. I worked with a wise minister years ago, and we taught a confirmation class, lots of kids. And um, they thought it was awfully long to sit through the bread and the cup in the pews. And we said, use that time to pray for your friends. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus gathered with his followers and he took bread and after giving thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, broken for you. Take, eat, and do so in remembrance of me. 
And we acting in Christ's name say to you, take, eat, and do so in remembrance. Taste and see that the Lord is good.
In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he blessed the cup and he said, this is my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. The Apostle Paul writes, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim, you preach the Lord's death until he comes.
the blood of Christ shed for us all, all of you partake. Shall we pray? Gracious God, you have fed us with the bread of life. You have shared with us the cup of salvation. Empower us to be your disciples in the world in the week before us. We pray and we worship and we go now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let us rise and sing our hymn of commitment. Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit rests and remain with us this day, this night, in this last week of Eastertide, and forevermore. Amen.
I want to call this very brief congregational meeting to order. Members and friends alike are welcome to please sit and we will do God's business quickly. Shall we pray? Lord, we ask your blessing upon the work of your church. We thank you for new elder, new officers, change of bylaws. May what we say and do honor you in this day. In Christ's name, amen. So our first order of business is to elect a standing nominating committee. I'm going to ask Elder Jim Clark to please come forward and cast into nomination the names of our nominating committee. Can they hear me? Yes. Can you hear me? I'd like the following people to stand up when I call your name. Of course, if you're not here, you remain seated. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, I'm Jim Clark. I am the current chairperson of the nominating committee. Pat Harford. Elsie Ihara and Michael Weishar. So these are the names of the nominating committee for this year, 2019. Are there other nominations from the floor? Hearing none, are you ready to proceed and vote? All in favor of electing these friends to our Nominating committee for 2019, please say aye. Aye. Opposed? It carries. Thank you. Going black. (laughs) (laughs) After many months of searching, we finally found a person who has agreed to serve as the elder for student ministries. Is Gwyn Black here? So, Gwen Black has been nominated to be our elder to student ministries. Are there any other nominations from the floor? Hearing none, are you ready to vote? All in favor of welcoming Gwen Black back on session now that her duties on the pastor nominating committee are nearly done. All in favor of Gwen, please say aye. Aye. Opposed? Welcome Gwen back on session. I know that Rob has been waiting a long time for this. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you. Elder Clark. Um, Marsha Millar, our clerk of session, will explain to us our change in bylaws. We're actually catching up with reality. Um, presently, we have nine deacons, but our bylaws have, says 12. We only need nine, so we're mo- changing our bylaws from 12 to a minimum of nine. Are you moving that? Moving it. Is there a second? So are you clear on the vote? We are moving from 12 deacons to 9 deacons, which is just what we're doing right now in reality, just changing our bylaws to conform to what we are doing. Are you clear on the vote? Are you ready to vote? All in favor of moving from 12 to 9 deacons, please say aye. Aye. Opposed? It carries. There there is no other business to be um, transacted at this meeting, so um, we have done a four-minute meeting. Shall we pray? 
God, we are great, great, grateful that you have brought us to this place to worship and do the business of your church. Now bless the food that has been prepared to your glory and our benefit. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So the food has been blessed and there's plenty of it, so please make your way to the fellowship hall. This is Pastor Charles Fenson again, and we invite you at any point to come and worship with us here at Presbyterian Church of the Covenant in Costa Mesa. We trust that God has been honored by this worship service and that you have been blessed. God be with you.